I'd like to take a moment to spend with the children. And for those who are here and also those who are worshiping with us online, I hope you'll move a little bit closer to your screens if you're worshiping at home. I have some exciting news to share. I got a text message yesterday from Pastor Nancy Parker, and it was a picture of her holding her new baby. She and her husband, Jeff, have a new baby who was born on Friday, and his name is, he's gonna be called Liam. And I loved seeing that picture of Pastor Nancy holding her baby. He was asleep, and she looked so happy. And it made me think about one of my very favorite Bible verses. It's Psalm 131. And when you, if you can't read yet, one of these days when you learn to read, you just open your Bible and right in the middle is the book of Psalms. And Psalm 131 is all about a mother holding her baby and how that's like God holding us in love. So next time you're feeling lonely or scared or you just need a little extra hug, remember, close your eyes and just imagine that God is holding you and you're just as calm and as peaceful as you can be because God's arms are wrapped around you. Let's pray together. God, Mr. Davis read a beautiful Bible verse for us this morning telling us that God is love, that you are love. And we thank you for these images that we see of love in our world and in the Bible of a mom holding a baby. And that reminds us of the beautiful love that you hold us in. Help us to feel your hugs your loving arms around us. And we are so grateful, and we love you too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. And I'm so glad to have the children in worship and to have children joining us online in worship. Some of my favorite memories of a, as a pastor are things that children say during worship. Most of you know that my first appointment as a pastor was at Brentwood United Methodist Church. I was an associate pastor there, and in the opening of the worship service at Brentwood, it was much like we do here. We processed in with the cross, and, and then the clergy came in. And there was one Sunday when I was part of the procession, and all of us pastors were wearing our black robes, and after church, a woman came up to me and she said, I have to tell you what my son said during the processional. As all three of you were walking in in your black robes, he leaned over and said, I like the lady judge. <laughs> I was like, well, please tell him we're not judges. And then there was the time when I was leading the pastoral prayer. That was one of my responsibilities often in worship was to lead the prayer after the sermon, like we do the joys and concerns. And I would stand in the middle, like I'm doing here, and pray the pastoral prayer. Well, we decided in worship planning to try something a little bit different and to have me or whoever was doing the pastoral prayer actually turn and face the altar so that it was, except for the choir, it's like the prayers of the people 
being offered to the altar and gathering up the prayers of the choir and offering them all to God. So when it came time to do the prayer, I turned around and I started praying with my hands like this. And I heard this little voice say, who's she talking to? Then I thought about it. That's a really good question. Who are we talking to in worship? When we lead prayers in in a public gathering, who are we really talking to? When you gather for worship at home or here in the sanctuary, who are you talking to? This very question came up this week in conversation I was having with someone on Monday. And she asked that very question. She said, when we worship, are we talking about God or are we talking to God? I needed to sit with that question for a minute. How is it for you? Now, I know the right answer. And if our compromands were here at this service, I'm sure they could tell us the right answer. Worship is is our offering of praise to God. We We are talking to God in worship. And there's this wonderful rhythm If you look at our order of service and and as we walk through it, just notice how there's this rhythm of of being together and lifting things to God. We come in and we greet one another and we greet God and then together we offer our confessions. We say to God, we have not lived up to who you call us to be this week. We need to name and acknowledge that we have sinned and fallen short, individually and collectively. And then we get to hear the good news. And Brandon this morning had the privilege of saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. And all of us, everyone joining us in this time of worship, hears that. We are forgiven. And then we celebrate together and we say to God, glory to you, praise to you, we're forgiven. And then we greet each other as forgiven children of God. And then we sing the Gloria again. And then we sit down and we we open the word. And we might say that this moment, the preaching moment, is, is me standing here talking about God. My hope and my prayer is that it would be more of of me guiding all of us into this text together. And because I've spent a little extra time studying it and doing some preparation, I have the privilege of saying, oh, look, did you notice that word? Did you hear that phrase? Did you see that image? What do we think God is saying to us in this text? But the hope is that either through my words or in spite of my words, you're in conversation with God and you hear from God. And then in the rest of the service, we're offering our response to God, our prayers, our praise in the doxology, our gifts, all of that. And it's a a conversation. It's relationship. That's really what worship is all about. But I have to confess, much of the time, for me, it's more about God. It's really easy in my profession to 
to spend so much time studying God and leading Bible studies and working on sermons and creating programs for people to learn about God that I stay in my head and I'm talking a lot about God, but I'm neglecting to love God and abide with God and pray to God and listen to God and nurture that relationship. Whether it's worship or Bible study or social action out in the community, it's easy for me and perhaps for many of us to get in that place of doing, doing, thinking, doing, thinking, and forget about the relationship, which is the foundation of everything. But thanks be to God for the writer of 1 John, who reminds us again and again, this is all about a loving relationship God's love poured out on us, our love for God raised up in return, our love for one another, that it's a constant flow of love, talking to God, listening to God, and loving one another. That's the life that John calls us to in this letter. It's all about relationship, and it's all about love. But someone will say, including this little voice in myself, we got to be careful. If we talk too much, if we emphasize too much my relationship with God, it can easily become this narrow thing of me and Jesus. It's just about my personal relationship with God and, and my assurance that I'm going to heaven. That's a pitfall that we can, we can lapse into if we're not careful but not if we're listening to 1 John. Did you hear some of the things that he said in this part of his letter? If you love God, you must love one another. There is no separating our love for God from our love from one another. In fact, he said, if we don't love other people, our love is incomplete and God's love is incomplete. He says, God's love is perfected in us. And that word means made complete when we love one another. It's a full circle. And we can't have one without the other. At 11 o'clock, I'm going to tell these confirmands that part of what they are announcing and professing in front of all of us in the congregation is they're saying yes to a living personal relationship of following Jesus Christ throughout their lives. And they are also joining this body of faith. They're stuck with us. And they can't follow Christ without hanging out with us. And they can't love God without loving one another. And it's not just loving this congregation, and it's not just loving other Christians, it's loving those whom God loves, which is everybody. So this call to love God and to, to nurture our relationship with God will necessarily draw us into love of other people and love of God's world. But there's another hesitancy within me it's so much easier just to talk about God. Because if I place myself 
in the loving gaze of God's eyes, I'm vulnerable. And I don't know that I want God to see all of the, the things within me. But 1 John assures us that there is no fear in love. There is no fear of judgment and punishment. The very first word of this text sets it all straight. Beloved, we are loved by God just as we are. Now, our relationship with God and with one another will change us, will expose things in us, will require us to practice and to stretch, and will sometimes be difficult and uncomfortable. But that is the work of divine love, and it is always just that, love. So I have two invitations for us this morning. The first invitation is for the closing hymn. When we get to that point in our worship service, I want to invite you and invite myself to sing that hymn to God. Close your eyes if you need to, open your hands if you need to, change the these and thous to you if you need to, but address that hymn to God. And notice all the pronouns are not I and me, but us and we. The second invitation is for you to spend just a few moments right now abiding in God's love. My hope is that every time you come into worship, whether it's in this place or in your home, the space you set up, that you're given a few moments to abide and do nothing else. My hope is you find space in your life to abide in God's love, just to love and be loved, because that is the ground of all things. So my friends, let us abide in God's love.